0: Hello and welcome to a little bonus edition NL full-time podcast. We didn't think we could just forget the Easter Monday games as if they didn't happen. We also thought that by covering them on next weekend's pod, it would just be so last year. Intrepid as ever, a couple of us anyway, myself and and Dickie, who's joining me now, um, are going to have a little review of the Easter Monday's games. Hi, Dickie. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, good evening, Rob. It's uh, it's good to uh, well, good to speak to you. I was listening to you earlier on and uh, your and your commentary stint for, for BBC Radio sorry. So yeah, it's uh, it's good to get a chance to catch up with you.
0: It was a bizarre day. We'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about one or two of the uh, events on and off the pitch there a little bit later in due course, though. Of course, because I was watching a a sort of lower mid table match, and, and 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 what we do is we do traditionally start at the top end. And it's getting more interesting by the week, Dickie, isn't it? I think all of us neutrals, what do we want? Um, we want four, five, six teams in the title race right to the end. And uh, each and every time the one who's on top only draws, it's an opportunity for others to catch up. And uh, what do you make of Sutton's run? Um you could say fair, they're making themselves so hard to beat, they're staying unbeaten, but it's another draw today and it will have been a, a frustrating one for them. Uh, it was a shutout um, away at Solihull Moors. They've now kept four clean sheets on the trot, Dig.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I mean, I think that's Sutton's fourth draw in five. So, yeah, 14 unbeaten now, but it's... Um... We mentioned it the other day, they they just, whether now, because they're top, that, you know, there's just that extra pressure on them, whether, you know, things are just tightening up a little bit for them. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't have been the result that they would have wanted. I mean, it it was conceivable that they could have actually um, been off the top of the table had they lost today and Hartlepool won. That would have produced a swing enough for for the lead to change, although we obviously know that Sutton have still got, more games in hand over Hartlepool um, but yeah a goalless draw not ideal I mean Solihull going in, in good form going into this game they were on a run of st- three straight wins so it's four unbeaten for them um, continues their good run as well doesn't sound like there were an awful lot of chances I mean we've we've spoken about Chesterfield we spoke about it being kings of the 1-0 but you know Sutton are, are quite adept at sort of like squeezing out those those one nils as well Um but yeah, it, it's um, it's not happening for them at the moment, and and uh, that might concern Matt Gray a little bit. I would have thought. You know, there's still a lot of games to go, but it's what happened It's what's happening beneath them, um, and and they're just causing. You know, they're having cause to look over their shoulder now. I would say.
0: What we must take from that as well is uh, you know the tremendous progress for Soly Holmors under Mark Yates. That's four clean sheets now on the trot, and. And uh, with this one coming against the league leaders, I'm sure they'll be uh, quite appreciative of the fact that on this occasion they didn't score themselves. But uh, going really, really nicely there, really steady the ship. Um, so with the leaders only drawing, could Hartleypool could Torquay make any inroads? Well, for Hartlepool, we should have known, Dickie, shouldn't we? They were playing Boreham Woods. It was only ever going to be one result. <laughs> Yeah, another
1: draw. Nine in their last ten, something like that for Boreham Woods. Yeah, I mean, it's tremendous. I saw somebody point out earlier today, you know, talking about Boreham Wood's unbeaten run and and suggesting that they might be an outside bet for the playoffs. But you've got to be winning some of those games, haven't you? Um, as it is, I think it will feel like a much more valuable point for Hartlepool, particularly given the circumstances of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Reese Oates going in goal after uh, ben killip um, got injured it wasn't a great afternoon really for for, for killip who uh, I think uh, will be disappointed uh with one of those uh, uh, Borenwood goals but uh, yeah, for um for manager luke Garrard for for it had gone in 2-1 up at half time and i think everything in his psyche everything in his approach and his game plan will have been you know, to make sure they didn't concede and they hung on to what would have been a precious three points. But Warren have now on one of those runs, so many draws, I think it's seven on the trot now that we'll only really know what that run means when we get the other result on the end of it. So if they uh, draw six and lose one, they haven't won in seven. Um, And if they draw six and win one, they're unbeaten in seven, you know, so... uh, so Hartlepool couldn't quite make inroads, but, you know, you have to say at any stage, going to Bournemouth and getting yourself a point. Never underestimate a point on the road. So the one team who could and who did make inroads with another 1-0 win, I'm wondering if um, the Torquay manager, Gary Johnson, has been uh, stealing a read of the uh, James Rowe master plan. Because Torquay have started coming in with these 1-0s as well now, Dickie.
1: Yeah, they have. I think that's um, Torquay's fourth win in their last five. Um, I think the previous three wins in that run had all come at Plainmore. So it, it's a really, it, it feels like it's a significant result for them to pick up three points away from home, particularly in the nature of the way they did it. Sam Shering scoring in the third minute of injury time at the end of the game. Um, and particularly a away to a team who, going into the Easter period, away at Wrexham, I mean, Wrexham were on a great run, but have had a, a, a poor a um, couple of games over the Easter period, they've had a couple of defeats. You, you feel with that one with Torquay that, that that could just reignite. I wouldn't suppose that they they'd ever felt that they'd lost their belief anyway. But, you know, to get three points in that circumstance will just... I just feel that that will make them believe that, that you know, this, the opportunity is still there for them, that there's still a great spirit. And, you know, you pull out a result like that and 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 it, everybody starts to believe again, don't they?
0: Yeah, so Sutton now top uh, with 63 points, two clear of Hartley, people who've played three more. And then Torquay United six points back, but same games as Sutton. So Torquay are the chasers now and Sutton are there to be shot at. I think what most people accept is they're predominantly mentioned those three sides for the title race, but two clubs you can't discount yet, partly because of uh, the games in hand that one of them's got and partly because of the sheer weaponry that the other one's got. That's Stockport County and Notts County. Now, the uh, spotlight fell on Stockport County on Easter Monday uh, with the uh, home live game on BET Sport and uh, not for the first time this season, they failed to... uh, Deliver under the cameras. Admittedly, it was against uh, a Bromley side where the new manager there, um, was uh, Andy Woodman, was uh, desperate to uh, get off to a good start. But uh, Stockport, plenty of possession, uh, plenty of entries into the final third, but just couldn't get that elusive goal, Dickie.
1: No, they couldn't. And, and as you say, you, you've mentioned the, the, the firepower that they've got. I mean, they've got sufficient firepower that they let Richie Bennett go on loan to Harlepool last week. And it was him that got Harlepool's equaliser today. You know, so that, that talks about the almost embarrassment of riches that they've got at this at this level. We've spoken about Paddy Madden coming in. No, they were in the advantageous position today of knowing almost exactly what they needed to do. Everybody else had played before them. They were the last game to kick off. Um, and they would have known what what three points would do in terms of closing that gap but they've just not been able to get it done. Um you've got to give some credit to to Bromley for that. Um obviously Andy Woodman's come in there uh, uh, as their new manager. It, it signals uh, I've read some an interview with him today where it signals perhaps a slightly different approach certainly off the field. I don't know what we'll see in terms of on the field but but you know, his players have um He'll, he'll be pleased with that, you know, a point away to a side with the firepower of Stockport County. And I think in something like his only second game in charge, um, suggests that the players are, um, there's not, there's not any particular hangover there, you know, that that, that the players aren't still, you know, hankering for the fact that Neil Smith isn't the manager anymore and they've just gone on and got the job done.
0: Yeah. I saw the uh, post-match interview with the Bromley manager and he said the side's remit was to keep a clean sheet. So, uh, he had no complaints. He was delighted to do that um, against a side with uh, the firepower that Stockport County have got. It's been a really, really interesting week for Notts County and uh, for Ian Birchnell. So, uh, uh, as regular listeners to the pod will know, myself and, and Luke watched them lose uh, rather softly uh, and rather limply 1 0 at home to Aldershot six days ago. But uh, since then, They've actually managed to get themselves two wins. And uh, despite trailing 2 1 to Woking uh, on Easter Monday at half time, they came through strongly in the second half. And uh, Jimmy Knowles, who was replacing the uh, suspended Kyle Wooten, showed exactly what he can do, Dickie, with a 19 minute hat trick. And uh, commentator's curse, wasn't it, on the pod on Saturday? When we 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 said that they, Nuts County would miss Carl Woodon, didn't we?
1: <laughs> we did and maybe Jimmy Nills was listening and thought, Well, you know, I'll I'll show them. I mean, it's exactly what you want a player to do when given his opportunity, he's given the manager a, a, a huge um, amount to think about before the next game, and you know you, you couldn't leave somebody out after after scoring a hat trick, could you? Mark Ellis, um, uh, who came in recently, <laughs> yeah, he's been on target again. I think that he got the winner against Wrexham on Good Friday, and he's on on the mark again today. And all of a sudden, from um, two weeks ago, whatever it was that we were talking about, the departure of Neil Ardley and and questioning the timing of that. Uh, um, and and particularly the, with the way County had their, their first two games after that uh, under Ian Birchnell, we were wondering whether they'd done the right thing. But all of a sudden, two wins in the space of four days, and there's a lot more bounce about the place. And I think that they'll still be fancying it. Absolutely, they will. You know, is the title a little bit beyond them? I think so. But again, playoffs, there's a possibility that there might be some fans even allowed back in by the time playoffs are happening. That'll be a big boost for County, you know, with, a, with the kind of support they enjoy. So, yeah, it, it's all getting very, very tight at that top, isn't it?
0: It is indeed. Looking at the rest of the uh, playoff places. Looking at the rest of the uh, playoff places, Chesterfield sit tight in sixth place. No game for them on Easter Monday as they were due to play Dover. But uh, shoving uh, the last of the big boys uh, out of the way and uh, demanding that playoff spot yet again. Uh, Pete Wiles, Halifax Town, who uh, came out on top against uh, a rejuvenated Weymouth side that are really playing uh, as if the rest of the season's a free hit, aren't they? Um, Jake Hyde, Neil Byrne and uh, Jeff King on target for Halifax. Uh, A couple of goals for Jake McCarthy uh, for Weymouth, but uh, ultimately they they couldn't. uh, They struck too late to uh, find a second way back into the game. But uh, a decent Easter for Halifax, and uh, they've no right to be sitting in seventh place. It's a tremendous achievement under Pete Wild.
1: Yeah, I mean they've they've nudged back into the playoff places on on goal difference over Wrexham. Um, but by you know, it's not just solely down to Rexham um, having having a poor Easter period. You know, Halifax have had to be able to to take advantage of that, and they've they've certainly done so. Halifax they shocked everybody last year. You know, they made it into the playoffs, and and you were looking at uh, whether they could do the same again. Uh, they got off to a bit of a, a slow start. And maybe we thought that, you know, last season had been, I don't want to use the term flash in the pan, but you know, I mean, they, they took people by surprise last year and maybe they weren't going to be able to take people by surprise so much this season. But they're there and they're doing it again. And that, yeah, they're putting themselves into contention. And and it was only on our podcast, I think we recorded on Saturday, that we were talking about that that big six sitting behind Sutton Maybe we need to be talking about Halifax in that conversation now. They're certainly making us pay attention to them.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I felt after Friday's games, and I still feel now, I think of those big sides occupying the playoff places, I I, I fancy at least four of the six to make it probably five. And somebody somewhere will come through and nick, uh, you know, that seventh uh, playoff place. It could be Halifax. Two other teams who were, I've got really good credentials for that, although one of them's fallen a little bit behind. Uh, They do have enough games in hand to get up there, and that's Maidenhead and Eastleigh. And Eastleigh, after uh, a difficult uh, couple of games, they bounced back uh, with three huge points at uh, uh, York Road. And uh, they huffed and they puffed uh, throughout the game to try and uh, uh, get a winner. And eventually, well, they didn't blow the house down, but house blew Maidenhead down, and uh, that's the best pun I can come up with, Dickie. Ben House (laughs) off of the bench and uh, onto the pitch and made his mark, and what precious three points that is for Eastleigh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by that point, uh, it was the case at Maidenhead. We're down to ten men um, with Josh Coley having been dismissed, but, you know, you're within a few minutes in the end of the game. It's looking like it's a nil-nil. And then bingo, up Pop's house and, um, yeah, uh, three minutes from time. And that's a big result for Easley because they they lost at home on Good Friday to Chesterfield, another team who, we, we talk about them being in the playoff picture and all of a sudden they're not in the playoff positions. It just shows you how much just one, two results can, can, uh, can have a, an effect on this at the moment. And I think it's going to stay tight all the way to the end of the season. But, um, yeah, that, that, that that's a really good response from Eastley today. They'll be thrilled with that.
0: I spent a bitterly cold afternoon at uh, Victoria Park on Easter Monday, um, watching perhaps two of the most inconsistent teams in the national league this season. Um, In fairness to Aldershot, they're a very young side and, uh, you know, the position they're in in the league table represents a slight improvement on last year. But uh, Dagenham sat a point and a place below them and, uh, you know, it's certainly been, uh, you know, aspersions cast at uh, at their underachievement throughout this season so far. On the day, it was uh, a hungry, determined, cohesive uh, Aldershot town that prevailed thanks to a little bit of a fortuitous penalty. Uh, just before half time, which Mo Betemus slotted away, and uh, a well-created goal just after the break, uh, which Noel uh, Joel Nouble finished. All the were good value for the win, um, helping me out a little bit on the day. Bless him with some of the media duties uh, after the game, and uh, jointly commentating on the game for Dagenham himself was uh, England C assistant uh, coach or assistant manager, sorry uh, Mick Payne. And um, uh, he very kindly helped out with a lift to the station afterwards as well. So uh, I caught up with Mick after the game. Here's his thoughts. Well, Mick Payne is not just in the England Sea management team and a jack of all trades as well. Goalkeeping coach extraordinaire. But he has played an absolute blinder today because uh, he's, uh, in the absence of uh, any Aldershot Town media team, he's held the camera to film the post-match videos let's talk about um, the game first we said off air before uh, the game two sides closely placed lower mid table one about there or thereabouts where it should be and another one that's underachieving and uh, well unfortunately for Dagenham that underachieving went on today didn't
2: it? It did yeah first of all Ron yeah, great seeing you and uh, meeting up with you today but dead right yeah look the daggers uh Definitely underachieved today. It wasn't anywhere near their uh, performances of late. They've been uh, very, very good over the last sort of uh, couple of months. To be honest, I've seen a number of their games. Performance-wise, not always one, not always one every game, but performances have been good. But today they have come up against a resolute, all uh, shot side who, you know, did their job. They they, they got the job done. They're a, a squad uh, with perhaps not always high high hitters in terms of players but they've got an honest bunch there I had a chat with uh, Anwar Udin this afternoon and, and just said he said look we've got an honest bunch so yeah they deserve the win and the Daggers will go back I said to you uh, you know off air that the Daggers themselves have really underachieved the way they've gone about the season they've got a squad of real uh, potential but they've been disappointing generally this year and uh, that's, their, I think, their final chance of really getting in the playoffs today, getting beat. And
0: uh, for the ambitious American owners who've, who've really backed Daryl McMahon well this season, they will have been wanting, hoping, expecting a, a better return for their money. Um, how secure do you do you, feel, do you think his position is at this stage? Do you think he's been given the nod that he will get the rest of the season, or might that be reviewed before then?
2: I believe he's got the nod uh, Rob has said the, the American owners have backed him. Let's be honest, you know he's uh, um, been backed very very well. Any player that he wants to bring, in, it seems that he's he's been out to get. I'm not privy to all that information, of course, mm. but it seems you know one or two people have been released from conference North Conference South sides if they were available. He uh, he brought those in, so that's happened. He's got you know big McCallum up the top. I know he's uh, he was being touted by a number of clubs, so he, he's coming at the club. Yeah, I mean, I do believe Darrell will see the season out. Look, the, the playoff position is—it looks over now after getting beat today, but there's a, still a number of is it 10, 11 games to go. So it needs a, a good return out of those last sort of 10 or 11 games for me.
0: At the other end, quite a little title race is, is shaping up, isn't it? Sutton obviously turned over that big deficit they had behind uh, Torquay but now they've hit the top and they've just stuttered a little bit they're not losing they're unbeaten for a long while but they are drawing quite a few games and uh, it's all still to play for there at the top how many teams do you think are still realistically got a chance of competing for the title
2: well as you know rob you know there's only one automatic place and uh, i think the three teams that you just mentioned you know saturn in terms of Torquay, yeah, and we got Hartley Paul who are in the mix, of course. It's going to be right to the end of the season for me. Look, they, they Sutton, I've seen Sutton play. They do the job as well. They're they, they they're organised, they're preparation, they play to their strengths. They've got points on the board. It's, you know, they're in the box seat. And the opposition know they're coming up against a side that's, you know, a, a side that's playing for... To win that championship, so it's going to be every game they play is going to be a cup final. I know it's an older uh, sort of a cliche, but it's exactly that. The Hartley Pools of this world. I've seen them play, been impressed with the way they go about their business, and uh, I'm sure they're going to push them all the way. And you've got to say, Torquay have uh, had, had they've had their little blip, they've had their blip, and they've come again. You know, their their, their sort of record over the last five games or so is very, very good. And they will see their sell. I think they're now, what, six points behind uh, Sutton with the same games played. Mm. And we've got the, um, you know, the final sort of a couple of furlongs, if you like, in the race to see who's going to come out on top. So, to me, I think it's going to go right to the wire, Mm. an exciting finish to the National League.
0: And that was uh, Mick Payne at Dickey. Obviously doesn't have any inside information, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that uh, each time Dagenham and Redbridge stumble, each time they remain in the bottom six or seven teams in the National League. They're, they're, they're ambitious owners who've invested heavily, um, just not getting the return on their money that uh, they invested in.
1: No, they're not. And, you know, this this season's been a, a, a huge disappointment for them, hasn't it? We, we, we were looking at the, um, the investment they'd made when we were previewing this season. I mean, we didn't know how things were going to transpire. You know, nobody could have, well, they might have done, but we we didn't really consider the the impact that that, that COVID would have. You know, we were we were looking at it um, through a slightly different lens. Um, and and of all the teams um, that the, the investment they made, I think Dagenham and Redbridge are the one that have have, have really disappointed. You know, all, all the other teams that are up towards the top of the table are kind of the ones we would have expected to, but but they've been a a, a real I mean, it will be a huge letdown to their fans, absolutely, yeah. And, and I'm sure there will be being questions asked about, well, you know, with, with the investment that's gone in, why has it been so disappointing?
0: Absolutely, Dickie. A couple of other games to have a look at. We mustn't leave Willstone to the end, must we? Five-one victors over uh, Barnett, for whom uh, Courtney Baker Richardson was uh, sent off. Only 11 minutes after he'd, uh, he'd brought Barnett back into it. But earlier goals from Jerome Achimo and Denon Lewis, added to by Craig fasson and uh, Jacob Mendy's penalty. And then another one for Lewis, rounded off a resounding victory for 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 Wielston and uh, full credit to them. Uh, and uh, their new manager will be delighted with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, they will. We look at Barnet and we say you know, they must be wishing that the, the season could finish here and now, to be perfectly honest. They're on just an absolutely horrendous run. I don't think we would have thought that there would be um, a 5-1 margin between those two sides today, but I, I certainly think going into it that, that Wheelston would have been favourites to collect the three points and, and they did so in a resounding fashion.
0: I'm trying to remember. It was probably North Ferriby, was it? I don't know, but I'm trying to remember who last had such a wretched season in the National League. Um, 29 games played and just 13 points and a goal difference of minus 50, you know, for Barnett now. And obviously uh, the current, uh, uh, I think it's Gary Anderson, isn't it, that's uh, in charge at the moment. And, uh, you know, he's the third manager this season to have a crack at it. Uh, who knows, there could be a fourth one in place before, um, the end of the season. It's been a wretched season. I guess the positive point for Barnet: thirteen points all season, goal difference minus fifty, and they're not getting relegated.
1: No, absolutely. In any other season, you know, <laughs> Barnet would be going down, wouldn't they? They would be. There be no question about it. And it's, you know, we we don't know. I guess since the, the the decision that the resolutions were passed by the national leads, say there wasn't going to be any rele- any relegation, that that might have had some impact. But you know, you would still think. Um, I, I wouldn't want to cast dispersions on any of the players that are at Barnet. You know they've got their own professional pride, and they'll be wanting to win every game they go out there. You know they, they they brought in Lee Vaughan from Telford, who I know, and I absolutely know from his character that he will be hating every minute of this. He will be hating the fact that Barnet are on such a wretched run. But as I say, the saving grace for them is that they are not going to be going down as a result of it.
0: Absolutely, and. Uh... Last but not least, though, Dickie, uh, Kings Lynn back to back home wins for them, uh, putting a dent in Altrincham's fading uh, playoff hopes today, a 2 0 win. Cairo Mitchell with both goals. Uh, I'm nicking this one from BT Sport, but uh, apparently uh, the Kings Lynn Twitter said uh, no Cairo, no party. And uh, um, yeah, two goals for him. The second one from the penalty spot after Gash had missed an earlier penalty. But I've got open in front of me, Dickie, the Lynn team. And it is almost unrecognisable from the team that started the season. So many of their players have been furloughed. And what an amazing job they've done to bring in, to beg, borrow and steal players coming in really cheaply, maybe coming in on loan with, with, with no fee and no wage to pay. And they've not just thrown these players together, but what a tribute that is to Ian Culverhouse. He's winning football matches with them as well.
1: He is. I mean, he's done a, a, a tremendous job under the circumstances. I remember at this point, probably in the National League North season last um, season, when which Kingsley went on to win, um, that he was bemoaning the the lack of squad depth they had at, they, at that point when they picked up a few injuries. I think they 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 did have a relatively small squad, but you know, a lot of quality in it. Now they've had to forgo. Um, or on the face of it, you would say they've had to forgo a lot of that quality this season in order just to keep going. Um, you know, as you say, they've, they've furloughed players um, like like Gash, like Adam Marriott, I think Dale Southwell as well, um, uh, haven't been featuring. Uh, but with what they've been able to, to to scrape together, and and that that is. I I almost want to take that back because that that's, that's a bit of an insult to the players they brought in. They've done tremendously with what they brought in and and some of those players might be you know, putting themselves in, in, in Culverhouse's thoughts for perhaps a, 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 another deal next season based on what they've been able to do in these circumstances. And I think that's the way that a lot of these players have got to look at it. That, you know, um, it, we, we speak about teams being on a free hit. Some of these players are on a free hit as well. They can just go out and perform without that much pressure on them. And who knows what it's going to get them for next season. So there, there will be, there will be losers out of this whole situation, but there might be a few winners too. Any other key talking points? Um, today was the deadline for clubs to respond to the uh, the letter that had been sent out asking for support for uh, the calling of uh, an extraordinary general meeting of the national league, and then potentially a vote of no confidence in the board. Now we've not heard anything back on on that yet. It, it maybe is a little bit early, um, but I'm expecting there to be some developments in that situation um, over the course of the week. So as we head into the weekend. Um, I would think we'll have more of an idea now, you know, when and if an EGM will be held and and, and what that might entail. I'm not sure. I think it requires something like 75% of the vote um, if if there is to be a vote of no confidence. But then the question is, what happens then? Um, whether these things might have been better left to the end of the season? I don't know. But um, clearly, the, 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 there are there's a lot of displeasure amongst people at clubs and and they maybe just don't want to wait that long and they'd rather get something um settled now and sorted now so that they can have more confidence in the league um going into the 21 22 season good
0: stuff and uh, just uh, before we finish a quick look ahead to uh, next weekend's games uh, a few of those that stand out uh, for me you've got uh, uh, Lynn, as I say back-to-back home wins for them they've got to take on James Rose Chesterfield so uh, a free hit for Kingsland. Um, I know that uh, as Matt Gray was saying from Sutton the other week they changed tactics three times in a game and that'll be interesting to see what they do against uh, James Rose Chesterfield because I know Rowe is one of those managers who's very he, he loves to be across how the other team are going to play and uh, and you know, builds that into his side's game plan. Um, a bit of a South Coast derby, if you like. Uh, we'll probably get told off for Tom by Tom, who officially kind of knows the Southwest better than us for saying that. But Torquay at home to Weymouth. Uh, Torquay will be keen to uh, keep their their good run going. And then what about these two, Dicky? A three o'clock kickoff, Wrexham against Stockport. So a couple of those big guns clashing there in Wales, and then. Uh, a mouthwatering one for the TV at 20 past five kickoff, Hartley pool against Notts County. Uh, Can't wait for that
1: one. No, I mean that, that, that's an absolute standout fixture. I mean, it's no surprise at all that BT Sport uh, have picked that one for their coverage. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, Every match at this stage now, with with how close it is, is going to have a huge bearing on things. Not just in terms of positions, but you know, it's it's about confidence going into those games. I mean, you would you would think uh, Hartlepool's run, I think unbeaten run, is something like twelve, thirteen matches now. So if they were to lose that one, you would hope that their their confidence isn't going to be severely dented by that. But you know, at the same time, that would be such a huge Phillip for for. Notts County, if they could pick up three points away uh, at a team who I think had, uh, it's twelve matches unbeaten at home now at Hartlepool, so you know that record's at stake. um We're getting to the point where you know those kind of games are going to come up, and th- they're, they're proper six pointers, aren't they? I know it's such a cliche, but but there's such a lot riding on them.
0: Absolutely, there is. Uh, I'll be uh, taking a look at uh, Yeovil Town, who'll be coming to the EBB next Saturday. And I'm sure we'll pay tribute once again to uh, the uh, late Lee Collins, who sadly we lost last week. That was great to see. And I don't know if you caught it on BT, Dickie, but a lovely little montage towards the end of their highlights programme today, showing the unity really amongst all the playing squads, all observing a minute's silence uh, in memory of uh, Lee Collins and uh, tragedies like that we could do without.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's been a, there's been a lovely um, an open letter. Um, um, written by Darren Sore, the Yeovil manager, almost addressed um, a- a- addressing the, the the loss of his captain today, and and it, it is um, it's a hugely emotional read. You you can tell that uh, you know his position as the leader of that that Yeovil team was in absolutely no doubt. He speaks about him as a person. He speaks him about about him as a player, um, and it and it's a it's just a huge and tragic loss um and and as ever you know we send all our best wish wishes to everybody who's been affected by it
0: great stuff well sorry to end on a somber note listeners but uh hopefully you've enjoyed our little roundup of the easter mondays games don't forget to uh, follow us on uh, spotify and itunes and all good podcasting uh, platforms we're also uh, on uh, Instagram these days as well, although we've got to ramp up the content a little bit. But we're getting there. We're, we're dragging ourselves kicking and screaming into the uh, 21st century, aren't we, Dickon?
1: Yeah, I think, I think those haircuts, that we, we just before we came on, we were speaking about the need for, for haircuts as soon as lockdown is over. I think that might be limiting our Instagram content a little bit, is that we don't want to be seen currently with the haircuts that we're sporting. But yeah, we, we, we are hoping to improve that a little bit uh, before too long.
0: Brilliant stuff. Thanks uh, for joining us, Dickie. Have a have a great week yourself and uh, happy football watching and listening to uh, our regular listeners and anybody that's joined us for the first time today. We'll be back next weekend, I'm sure, with Luke back in the uh, chair hosting. Until then, goodbye from me and goodbye from Dickie.